What did we say we we're going to name this thing? Uh, the Mansfields After Dark. Is that it? I'm nervous because I know I'm being recorded. <laughs> Welcome. Okay. Let's do that Wait, again. we need a tagline. Maybe we should write it down and then we can read it so that it's a little more fancy. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think it should be fancy? I don't know that I've ever listened to a fancy podcast. <laughs> Welcome to The Mansfields After Dark, where we have conversations about creativity. After we put our kids to bed. From our school bus turned studio in our backyard. I'm Sasquatch Mansfield. And I'm Molly Mansfield. Alright. That's good to me. I think that was pretty good. Okay. So today we're starting something new. Uh, we are starting a book club. And we just read the first chapter of Walking on Water, Reflections on Faith and Art by Madeline Lingle. And... Now we're going to talk about it. Yeah. So if you guys want to read the book along with us, um, we would love that. And today we're talking about chapter one. Cosmos from chaos. That was definitely, I think, one of the big themes of this chapter. What were what were the themes that stood out to you? Um, I really enjoyed the the portions. Where she talked about how we've just forgotten who we are, like we we know how to walk on water, but we've just forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really resonate with her her talking about you know I can't remember exactly the story, but someone was pushing her to write a book on Christian art, being a Christian artist, which is this book, which is this book. And she was like, I'm not a Christian artist. Well, she, yeah, she felt that, uh, she felt rebellious when she was called a Christian artist. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I feel that cause it's like, man, often not Christian art sucks a lot of times. Yeah. And so like, I never want to be associated with being called a Christian artist. Like. You don't need to know like what my beliefs influence what I do, but it doesn't like, I'm never going to label myself a Christian artist, but you know, that's probably just my own baggage that I have to deal with. But I, I, I I felt camaraderie with her. Um, definitely. Yeah. And I feel like if, if she feels that way, then like, okay, cool. Then I could feel that way too. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it just, uh, putting any kind of label on something, gives you automatically have you know depending on who you are it may be different but you automatically have these preconceived notions of what that means but she followed she kind of followed that thought up with with um just saying that art is art there's not christian art or there's good art secular art. art yeah there's just art yeah yep which is a which is a great point. And so if you're making bad art, that's it doesn't matter if you're a uh what's the opposite of a Christian? A non Christian? Whoa. <laughs> Mind blown. Well, I think that leads into um the cosmos in the chaos okay. theme of like um the definite kind of it, it seems like she is hinting that 
She's going to elaborate more on the definition of art later on. But it's this is a topic that, like, what is art? This is a topic that comes up a lot and is really hard to answer. Mm-hmm. And lots of great minds have tried to answer this question. Tolstoy wrote a book about it. Which, yeah. Wasn't helpful for her. And I want to read that now. I know. Me too. Yeah. Um, yeah, but she broke down that it's a, it's a cosmos in the chaos. It's finding, it's finding cosmos in the chaos is, is what good art does. Yes. So our lives, this world is chaos. Mm -hmm. It's chaotic and art has the ability to find the cosmos within that context of chaos. And it's, it, I think that agrees with, um, what's that guy? Oh, Francis Schaeffer. He mm-hmm. didn't use the same words, but he talks about um, that similar idea and that the that's what differentiates, one of the markers between what makes good art is that message of hope, Mm -hmm. something of hope or of beauty or of goodness or of truth Mm -hmm. um, versus just reflecting Mm -hmm. the chaos around you. Many artists, I mean, she says that many artists have just imitated the chaos. And that's easy to do. Um, but good art goes beyond just being a mirror. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, she brought up, she brought up so many things in this first chapter. That's like, um, I mean, you read it first and then you were like, Hey, we should do this book club thing. I was like, cool. So then I read it. And so the first time you read it through, you like underlined a bunch of stuff. And then, then I read it and I underlined different things. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I needed to underline your underlines. (laughs) I felt like that was good enough. And then you just read it, reread it again for the podcast. And you also underlined more stuff. So you were saying that it's like every other line in this book is underlined. And yes, we're sharing a book because we love each other. (laughs) We don't have endless book budget money. Um, there's a, um, it opens. Okay. Not, not just switch gears from chaos, but, but look, yeah, let's, let's, let's just switch, those switch gears. gears. Um, she starts the book talking about sitting on a rock and like looking at the trees and, and stuff like that. Yes. Me, I was going to bring that up. So I'm glad you did. Um, she it called it being time, and I loved that um, because I I like to do that, and I think that it's really important to um, take that time of not being busy, not doing something, but just being and paying yeah. attention and listening. I think that was maybe where she started the conversation of listening and paying attention. And I love that she has a favorite rock. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's such a a kindred spirit to me. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
We both have a friend that was just here that is very good at being mm. mm-hmm. um, someone that came and dropped by. But who might be listening right now? Okay, here's the quote that I wanted to, to say is, I've long since stopped feeling guilty about taking being time. It's something we all need for our spiritual health and often don't take enough of it. Being time. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Also because... And it's true. It's true. Like, you do feel guilty. It's It feels so weird to just like, I'm just sitting. Mm. It goes against this. And from what I understand, this is this um, this idea of um, productivity really started, um, was kind of pioneered by <laughs> the pioneers. Um, the Puritans were, were a lot about productivity and mm-hmm. don't be idle and, mm-hmm. and things like that. But mm-hmm. it's not, it's not, it's not idleness. idleness. No, there's a right. difference. But you feel that, you feel like it could be idleness, mm-hmm. you know? And so there's like this tension that you have to, to battle within to maintain some sort of beingness. Yeah. I think, um, I was just reading, um, about the immutability of God, which is (laughs) God's unchangeableness. The fact that he never changes And in contrast to that part of his character, we are always uh, progressing. We're always striving. We're always becoming. But God isn't becoming. He just is. He is being. Um, And I think maybe that's why it is so important for our spiritual health to um, just kind of like take some rest from that striving, take some rest from that becoming. Because, I mean, we, we're becoming better people, progressing, moving forward. Hopefully. You know? Yeah, hopefully. Or we're pacified. We're just pacifying ourselves or falling into a trans of media or consumerism or whatever but to just sit on a favorite rock and be is different than both of those things the yeah the just kind of on that same we're kind of going all over the place and maybe we should structure this a little bit better but who knows we're figuring it out guys yeah there we go some something you say reminds me of Look, part of I've never chapter. been a part of a book club, so yeah. I don't know. Okay. This isn't a professional book club. It's just, you know. We're both professional book readers. <laughs> we read a chapter and we're talking about it. Perfect. That's the expectation. Okay. <laughs> so. Okay. So she didn't, she, I was looking at my notes. She didn't say there's good art and bad art. She says bad art is bad religion. Mm. Which is an interesting distinction. Bad religion. So the bad art that I associate with Christian art is, by her definition, bad religion. 
which is telling. Yeah, because it's um, it says something about your beliefs. Yep. And it says something about truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if something is subpar, it's like that, uh, the opening quote that I read, if a writer is, she was talking about art, um, in the context of writing there. So if the writer publishes a shoddy novel, then they weren't like, they weren't putting in the full effort. They were being lazy and they weren't being obedient to the call of making of being an artist of making the work yeah um ah, i sorry i was searching in my brain for so long and i finally got it thomas kincaid oh is he a christian artist oh yeah he was oh it like has bible verses on his paintings or something yeah i'm thomas kincaid (laughs) please enjoy my my beautiful christian art (laughs) It glows from the insides. <laughs> like, no. Oh, man. I got in a, I, I did this one time where I, I said that I think Thomas Kincaid is the garbage, uh-huh. like the pinnacle of all Christian garbage art. Yeah. And then someone in the group was like, I like his I like art. Thomas Kincaid. I was like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you like that. <laughs> she has such no. good taste in other areas, but not in art, apparently. Well, there's, you know, it, there's different reasons that something can speak to somebody. So it feels like home, maybe it's, to someone. Yeah. As, I mean, art it's is subjective. It sure is inviting. This this snowy, cold landscape and. You got you got warm lights inside. There's smoke coming up, but it's bad religion, in my opinion. So, do you remember the part where she was talking? I wrote a note down, but I can't even remember what she was talking about before it. But or read your handwriting. Um, I can read it. Nice. When she was talking about the dictionary definition of art, I think it was just. I think it was when she was talking about cosmos and the chaos chaos, and that art is art. There's not Christian art or not Christian, non-Christian art. Um, just she was talking about trying to get a grasp on what is art. And she was just saying that the dictionary doesn't help because its definition refers only to skill. Mm-hmm. And she said that skill, I thought this was pretty interesting. Um, because it brings up other questions. Um, she says that skill can be learned. Mm-hmm. So if art is only about skill or technique, then it could be acquired by anybody. Anybody could become an artist mm-hmm. just as a dentist. Anybody could become a learn to be a dentist technician or a mm-hmm. butcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very um it's troublesome to me cuz in the what past in the past I would have said no, anybody can be creative. Anybody can be an artist. Um and that's not what she's saying. No, definitely not. 
she's drawn a hard line in the sand and says she's she's holding the the role of an artist to be much higher mm-hmm. than just anybody and what's funny is i was on a different tangent better or doesn't uh i don't know you just said like higher it doesn't mean that being an artist is better than being no. a dentist technician. I'm saying but she's high, she has a higher view of artists than I did. Oh, okay. Given that she's saying, like, it has to be, like, not everybody can be yeah. an artist. Yeah. And I was on a, I don't know, I get, on, I get lost on these, like, little rabbit holes on the internet. And then I wake up, like, two hours later. But I was reading this... Um, journal is is like a scientific journal not scientific well it's science it's like psychology but psychology journal there it is look we got it and it was on creativity mm-hmm. and it's this like the these psychologists they developed this creativity test to map whether you're you know, creative or not, and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it's a long, like, I don't know, 40-page essay on creativity. Yeah. It was interesting. Because it was was from such a very clinical, you know, place, instead of some, like, guy on a blog, like, I think making art is fun, or whatever. Like, these are, you know, PhD people that took time yeah. An effort to put these together. So that was interesting. But then something was said in it that stood out to me, which was the moment you say that everybody is something, like that loses its weight. So, like, mm-hmm. if you go to a birthday party mm-hmm. and you bring everybody a gift, then that birthday means nothing. Yeah. It becomes less special. It became it becomes not special person. at all. Yeah. Not less special. It just means that oh, just everybody gets a present on this day. Yeah. Right? And the same goes with everybody can be creative. Well then now creativity doesn't hold any weight. Mm. It doesn't really mean anything if everyone can be uh, an artist. Mm-hmm. I differentiate between Creativity being an and artist and being I understand creative because yes. you can. There's a lot of different ways to exercise creativity. Yes, yes, but also now I've I've but having read that journal, uh, I'm now citing more closely towards that not everybody is creative. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Just from the empirical data that it was looking at. But I don't know. Who knows? Science is wrong sometimes. Yeah. But um, I do I do think that it is important to draw lines in the sand to say this has to have a bar of entry. Mm-hmm. Otherwise... You know, it's it's why bars have bouncers. It's like, nah, we got to keep it 300 in there. Like, mm-hmm. you're not allowed 
and Kazidas don't match the like clientele that we want. Mm-hmm. Fine. So, not that I've ever been to a bar like that. I just <laughs> I've seen it on the movies. Yeah. Well, I think that um, she talks about an artist being a servant and uses that picture of Mary accepting the call mm-hmm. um, from the angel to be Mary, the mother of Jesus. Did you know <laughs> it's your baby boy would someday walk on water? As an did analogy. You know? <laughs> Go ahead. Um, but I thought that was a really good um, description of what it's like to be an artist. And it also very much um, agreed with a lot of the stuff in Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, mm-hmm. about the, the process of making art and the way that creativity works. And it's... Um, if Because in this chapter, Madeline Lingle's talking about being obedient to the work being a servant of the work and serving it um giving it your all giving it your best even if that means you know some toil like some work Mm -hmm. um yeah i think that that that's like well put a pin in that like that it shouldn't be toil go ahead if you're obedient to it then we're, you're talking about something that is outside of you. It's not just, it's not just all coming from inside of you, of me, you know, like when I'm, and I, I resonate with that a lot. Like it's a collaboration between me and creativity and the idea or the work. Yeah. Yeah, in Big Magic, she talks about how in ancient Rome, maybe, they defined someone as having a genius, not being a genius. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a wonderful distinction that it's it's a muse that lands on you. Yeah. And then you create. And then then you're responsible, like, you're not responsible. You're responsible to show up, but you're. You're not held accountable for the work being amazing after your genius has left you, Mm. right? But in Madeline Lingle's point of view, it seems like she's saying that, like, there are times, there are times when you're going to throw the work out and start completely over again. Right. But you're not settling for... Or you shouldn't be, if you're truly answering the call and saying yes to the call, then you shouldn't be settling for subpar work. Right. Yeah. Well, there's the, you know, that's two different, two different roads. You have the Bob Dylan approach that's just like, right, 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 right. Put stuff out there, put stuff out there. You don't know what's going to stick with people. Hmm. But then there's Madeline Lingle approach, which she did all right pretty popular novels yeah um yeah i i wanted to to come circle back around so like you you were talking about big magic how it's it's like this 
this force that comes down and, and brings brings this gift of creativity, this gift of an idea, and then you, you run with it. Yeah. Um, and then Julia Cameron talks about the same thing of showing up and being there and, and not judging your work too harshly and loving your inner child, artist child and um, letting the work be what it's going to be and play and, and things like that. And Madeline Lingle is a little bit more like intense yeah. to where it's like you're serving it. Yeah. Um, and then, and then there's the Joseph Campbell uh, version. Every, every, everything is so closely tied in my head. Like they're all like, you know, not a sixth of a degree away, but they're just, they're half a degree away from each other. And Campbell talks about um, following your bliss and what you what you find joy in, what you relish in. Do that mm-hmm. wholeheartedly, which which to me aligns with both. Like, what do you mean? It aligns with Julia Cameron, and it aligns with Madeline Lingle to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Is that? Or Langle, Langle. I've heard. I've only Langle, read it. So. Um, Julia Cameron's like play, play, play. Love your artist child. Mm. You know all this stuff, mm-hmm. which is yeah. Follow your bliss. This is the thing that you love to do. And then, but then it's also do it. You have to do the work. Yeah. Like your bliss is not always going to be like following your bliss doesn't mean that you're down a a paved path that leads to your, you know, forever happiness. You're cutting down your own path and it's supposed to be work. It's not supposed to be easy, right? but it's your bliss. So you can enjoy every minute of it. Yeah. And I think that's a very helpful distinction to make because there are like, they seem like two sides of a coin, but they're the same coin, you know, it's, it's this, this duality of it. They totally are. I think they're different points on the journey, though, because um, mm. Jory Cameron, her book, um, mm. The Artist's Way, recovery. is, yeah, it's recovery for artists. That's it's a good like point. helping artists to, um, it's like therapy, it's like helping them to... Get to Find a point where again. they can start creating and feeling good about creating again. Yes. Yes. And so she's talking about that artist child. And I think Madeline Lingle, she is developed. Now enough. you have an artist teenager. <laughs> no, I think she is. <laughs> I think she's childlike enough in her beliefs and in her imagination that she is able to identify also being a servant. So like Mary um, the analogy she used of Mary, Mary is a young girl who uh, the angel came to her and she didn't like, she didn't falter. She just, she had that, like she had that, um, very exercised imagination that children's have so that she was able to receive that, the message from the angel and say, yes, I'll do, I'll be the mother, the God, creator of the universe. Yeah, it totally sure. makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, children have the ability to 
believe. And I, I underlined a few quotes about children in this chapter because, um, yeah, they have a nice, the children have such a nice, um, flexible mind that is, is so not burdened down. I, um, Oh yeah. I think it's, it's, it's related. So I'm going to tell this while you, while you find that, but, um, it reminds me of a a Buddhist monk story where there was a, um, there's a golden Buddha that the monks would meditate around. And one day they, they got word that, uh, a tribe or, you know, pack of hooligans were coming through to pillage all of the stuff. And so they, they ran and, and then they put mud and cement on the, the golden Buddha so that the, the, the village there, the, uh, the tribe that was coming through wouldn't, wouldn't pillage it. They would just look at it and be like, Oh, it's only a, just a stone Buddha, whatever. And so they, they occupied this area for a long time. And, and then eventually the Buddhist monks came back through after these people had left and what, but it had been a long, long time and everybody had forgotten that this Buddha was golden. And one of the monks was meditating and then a piece of the cement broke off and he saw that it was gold underneath. And so they pulled it all off and then they had their, you know, cherished golden Buddha again. And the analogy or the allegory there is that we're all born golden, that we are born with this openness, this, this mind that is so flexible and free and, and willing to walk on water and like considers those things as possibilities. But very soon as we enter into the world, we start putting mud and cement on ourselves and covering up the gold to protect ourselves from other people yeah, that are I coming think, to pillage. And I think that's the influence of the message of conformity. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so you conform yeah. so that you don't get hurt. Yeah. So you don't get stolen. Well, and because of your fears. Right. Yes. Exactly. But then then you you reach a point in your life where you can start peeling away that mud and that cement and you can cherish and find, find, Oh, Oh, I'm actually gold. I I see a little bit of gold and then you, you peel off more and more and more. Hopefully if you can wake up from the trance, hopefully, (laughs) which I think is very helpful to be around young children who have that openness and have that imagination. We mentioned, you know, in a previous episode about how, um, creative, uh, and brilliant children's minds are. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is what NASA um, approved. Yeah. (laughs) This is what, um, the book says, um, the willing suspension of disbelief, that ability to believe, which is born firmly in all children and which too often withers as we are taught that the world of fairy and imagination is not true. And then about Mary, she had not lost her child's creative acceptance of the realities moving on the other side of the everyday world. Mm. So I think that Julia Cameron's 
play like a child is the first step to peeling off that cement. Mm. And then Madeline Lingle, she, she is, I mean, if you have read any of her fiction, she is very imaginative. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think she has those skills like close at hand. I think mm-hmm. she's, those are things she's been working on for a long time mm-hmm. developing. And she also understands the, that servanthood aspect of making, not just making something for the sake of making it, for the sake of playing and having fun, but making something, going to the next step and making something that is art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, what's that? There's another line in, in this book that's, um, you, uh, generally what's more important than getting watertight answers is learning to ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. That's something that children do. That is another thing that children do constantly. They're not asking the right questions. Well, and a lot of times they're not looking, they're definitely not looking for watertight answers. They're not looking for answers at all. They just want to hear themselves (laughs) ask questions. There, there, I think there is hey, is a this our house? Yes, you've lived there. here your entire life. <laughs> it's your house. I think the curiosity is legitimate, but I, they also, they understand, yeah, they understand that the point is not to get an exact answer. Right. It's just ask questions. It's to think, it's to imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To maybe be on a journey for discovering truth, but um, there's a lot of questions that have to be asked. Yes. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. I think um, for me, the big, the biggest takeaway for this chapter was the, We were born knowing and we've forgotten. Mm. So, so you have to ask questions to get back to a place where you can remember. Mm. Um, and then the other one, is, which is kind of her like, you know, that's her thesis by the end of this chapter is get out of the way and be a servant. Mm-hmm. And... I think, I think she touches on it, um, how servant is looked down upon. It's, it's, it's thought to be bad. Yeah. Um, but to serve someone is so, um, you know, I told you before we started this podcast, I'm doing something for a friend Mm -hmm. and you're like, you know, you don't have to do that. Well, I said, that's very generous. I, you are a very generous person. I was like floored again by what you said you were going to do. And I was just like, that's very generous of you. Right. You don't have to do that. But it's, it is truly a a really great thing. Like I feel 
great about being a servant, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's cliche, like, better to give than to receive. Mm-hmm. But... I think that's biblical. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's it's very accurate, though. Mm-hmm. It just... It only isn't if you're if you have a really terrible mind mm-hmm. and mindset, mm-hmm. a very selfish one, um, because it the joy that you get out of serving someone or serving something is so much greater than any possession or experience that you can have. Yeah. Right. So, serving. Yeah. Serving the art. Serving other people, being generous. Love it. Because because when you serve your art, you're actually making the world a better place and therefore serving everyone. Definitely. You're elevating the whole world. Definitely. Okay, yes. That reminds me of one of the big things, or one of my favorite things in this chapter that Huge. was like <laughs> such an encouragement to me um, when she talked about feeding the lake. Oh, yeah, that was so good. Oh, so encouraging. Guys, you got to read this book to get what we're talking about. A podcast is over now, so. <laughs> so who, who said that to her? Um, somebody, Rice? Julia oh, Rice? Just vamp for like a little that. bit and I'll find it. Okay, so the idea is that they're like uh, contributions of art are well, uh, I'm, I'm butchering this. Okay. It's, there's this lake and the lake is the lake. What is the lake? <laughs> Jean Reese. Rice. Is it uh, Rice? I don't know. I don't know who that person is. Okay. Yeah. Me either. Do you remember what the lake is <laughs> supposed to be? <laughs> I feel really dumb now. It's like, this is my favorite part in the book. I I loved it. Can you explain it? (laughs) Definitely not, but I love it. Yeah, so the lake is everything. It is all art. Well, it's like... No, I'm explaining it to you. (laughs) The lake is everything produced. Right? It all flows into this lake. And there are large rivers mm-hmm. that flow into this lake. People like Dolskayevsky and... Shakespeare. Sure. Name one more. Uh, you can't even need three. Yeah, Leonardo Tolstoy. da Vinci. Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> and <laughs> they all flow into this lake, right? Okay, so those are like the rivers. Those are the rivers. And then there's these little trickles that come in that are like Sasquatch Mansfield trickles. Mm -hmm. Certainly not on the level of, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio. Little drips. mm -hmm. Yeah. But they're still contributing to the lake. And that is what matters. Yes. It doesn't matter if it's a drop or a trickle or a stream or a river. It's all feeding the lake. Yeah. And I loved that picture of just, um, it's not a picture of competition. Yeah. I don't matter. 
yeah. all that matters is, is that work. we feed the lake. Yeah. It also, it reminded me of... Um, Sounds like a cult. <laughs> it reminded me of one of the things she talked about in Wrinkle in Time. Um, when they were talking about... Um, they're talking about the battle between um, the fight against the dark thing. It was yeah. after the kids like found out about the dark thing and they were going to have to go to this other planet um, and encounter some challenges and some difficulties to help overcome the dark thing. Yeah. Which had captured their dad. And the question came up of like, are we the only one? Like, what is, is it just sitting there? Is anybody trying to do something? Are we the only ones that are doing something about this? And the Mrs. W's were like, oh, there have been many fighters, many great warriors. And she listed um, artists, philosophers, scientists, poets, um, Religious leaders. Leaders, yeah. As people who were all taking part in this fight against the dark thing. Mm. And I think I think to me when I read that, that was what I kind of thought of as the lake. Like we're all taking part in um contributing to the message of hope and pointing the world to what is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like when we wake up in the morning, we should be like, have you fed the lake yet? <laughs> Did you feed the lake yet? Or maybe at the end of the day. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. That's it, a bit much to write whenever you wake up, be reminded What have you done yet? Yeah. (laughs) I guess that's just how my brain works. (laughs) 5 a.m. Alarm goes off. I haven't done anything yet. What's wrong with me? Yeah. Feed that lake. Be a servant to it. It does sound very culty, but the, the, the idea is pure. Trust us. (laughs) take our hands let's walk into the lake together (laughs) yeah well I look forward to next chapter yeah um you can find me I'm Sasquatch Mansfield on Instagram at Sasquatch Mansfield or my website is sasquatchmansfield.com. My business is sasquatchstudio.us. Everything's super easy for everyone. Where can they find you? Mollymansfield.com and on Instagram at Molly Mansfield Artist. You have less things. Yep. I like to keep it simple. Maybe I should pare down. <laughs> okay. Bye.